0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now from the Terry Perennis Team Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on, on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 630 Chad. The
1: Carolina Hurricanes just with one power play tonight, but it's all they needed to get the game winner. Sebastian Ajo, who's been hot lately, fires one home a minute 48 into the third period, and that turns out to be the difference. The final tonight, Carolina 2, Edmonton 1. The Oilers have dropped three in a row. They've hit a bit of a scoring drought here. Just one goal in their last seven periods and only three goals in their last three games. Thanks a lot for spending some of your Friday night with us, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. It is 826. You can reach us, 780-496-0063. You can also text 30 We have Connor McDavid post-game reaction coming up in a couple of minutes here, Rob. But uh, he had one of those games, and certainly Leon Drysdale over the last two periods, where they had a lot going on. But.
2: The- but, yeah, there's a big but with a bunch of dots after it. It, it, it was one line for the Oilers. It was going tonight. They, they created every time they were out there. They had you know, sustained pressure, golden opportunities. I mean, Cam Ward stood on his head uh, a number of times. They, they were unlucky where they hit a p- couple posts. They put a puck across the goal line. But that was the only line that sustained anything offensively. The rest of the lines uh, were quiet, especially uh, the other second line with Lucic, Nugent, Hopkins, and, and Eberle. They, they didn't create a whole lot out there. And it's, it's tough because if you're always relying on one line to score, and that line gets snake-bitten because they were snake-bitten tonight, well, then you're in a bit of trouble because you've got no one backing them up. Now, the Oilers had went through a stretch where they were getting great secondary scoring, but the secondary scoring, the majority of it has to come from their second line. They got guys that are, have been number one line players for most of their careers. Tonight, it wasn't there for them. And the Carolina Hurricanes played a played a good game. They they tried to nullify McDavid as much as they could. And then after that, they carried momentum against the other three lines.
1: Uh, we I, we should touch on this be, because it, it turned out to be a pivotal call. And I you know I see people on Twitter writing about it. What was that a penalty on Jordan Eberle early in the third period?
2: I would have called it. I would have called it. The leg was behind the leg of the Carolina Hurricane. It wasn't a slew foot where we've seen some players like a Brad Marchand where he actually goes and actually kicks the, kicks guy. the guy's yeah. feet. Um, but his leg was behind him. If his leg was beside him, no problem at all. But the leg was behind. The way the player went back, the fact that the Carolina Hurricanes had had three straight power plays, that's going to get called 100 times out of 100 times. And I, I agree with you. In the middle of the game, if the power plays had been even at that point, maybe the ref looks the other way. But it's—I mean, as soon as it happens, they're going to call it. And... I, I don't think it was deliberate on the part of Jordan Eberle. He just His leg was in a position that gave the referee the opportunity to make a call, and the fact that the referee hadn't blown a whistle against the others, it was an easy call for him.
1: So 2-1, the Canes win it tonight. The Japanese Village goal light remains dim on the Oilers page on 630shed.com. they got to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on, and then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer. You can use at one of the three Japanese Village locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. All right, Greg and Tony already ready to go on hold. we got open line 780 496 but first back to PNC Arena, and here's the Oilers captain, Connor McDavid. In ...here as, as it gets to three in a row
3: now. Yeah, there's obviously a sense of urgency now. Um, you know, we understand that, um, you know, playoff race, stuff happens quick, stuff changes quick, and you got to nip these right in the butt. So, um, you know, three tough ones. Um, you know, Tonight I thought we did a lot of good things. A little bit unlucky, a few posts late in the game, uh, even in the second period. So... Um, I don't think anyone's panicked or anything like that, but you know, we got to find ways to win games. Are goals just getting harder to come by, or are you guys kind of not
4: finishing the way you were earlier on?
3: I think maybe we're just not finishing. I mean, you know, I think you, you look at the chances we've had over the last few games, you know, especially uh, tonight, um, you know, a lot of posts You look at Nashville, missed empty nets and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, we've we just got to bear down around the net, and um, every team goes through it. Um, you know, before the break, we were, we were talking about, you know how, how good everything was going, on. and you know we found a way to slip. and um, that's the way it goes. It's
4: a long season; is not going to be perfect for any two games. That's the the mental thing that you guys have to stay on top of, right? You can't start freaking out, but you got to be urgent at the same time. Yeah, you got to You
3: gotta, You know everyone has a sense of urgency. It's it's getting down to the crunch time. Um, you know teams are. are you know you, you saw how the last two games were played. It's you know all in the middle. Everything's dropped down, and, and um yeah, so we got to find a way to figure that out. And, you know, if that's chipping pucks in and getting our four-check game going a little bit better, I think uh, you know, that's obviously going to help. Montreal.
1: All right, so that's Connor McDavid. His goal tonight, 18th of the year. He now has 60 points. The Oilers 28-18-8 on the season. One point behind the Ducks for second in the Pacific. The Ducks lost tonight 2-1 to Florida. The Ducks do have a game in hand, however. San Jose, three up on the Ducks, four up on the Oilers, two games in hand uh, on Edmonton. The Flames uh, now have the best wild card record and are fourth in the Pacific. They are uh, seven points back of the Oilers. So that's a quick look at the updated standings. 2-1 Carolina wins. We'll start off the phone calls with Greg tonight. Hello, Greg. Hey, guys. How's it going? We're doing well.
5: Uh, I have to disagree with you guys on a couple things. For once, actually, um, I think the others um, outplayed Carolina for the most part. Yeah, offensively, some of the lines are not producing, but defensively, they defensively they were good. Um, you know, with their back check and stuff like that. You know, um, the power play not, you know, clicking, uh, couple posts, um, basically game changer. But uh, I think the others deserve to win tonight. And the other thing uh, I think is that penalty on Eberle. Um, that's just hockey. Like, if we're going to take the skating out of hockey and penalties like that are going to be called, I understand that the ref hadn't blew the whistle at any uh, on, the other, on the other team at all, but realistically, that's a hockey play. You're trying to get behind the net. You know, he didn't slew foot him. He didn't stick his leg out. He was just trying to get to the puck. And if we're going to start taking that and and calling those penalties, then hockey's going to be even more dull and more boring and less scoring than it is right now. They need to let the guys play. They need to... They need to to, to relax a little bit and just let the guys go let them skate I, I mean cheap shot yeah, yeah I understand calling the penalty but let the guys skate let them battle for the puck let, let's let get the entertainment back in hockey and that's do, all i got to say you, about
2: that you do know that that penalty was created a goal so it didn't take scoring out actually there was a goal scored because of that penalty
5: well, I mean, like, let them play, though. I mean, if if he stuck his leg out or stuck his stick between the legs, yeah, okay, I'm good with that. I've seen way worse calls not been called against multiple Oilers this year, especially Conor McDavid, that are blatant interference, blatant holding, blatant hooking, slashing, whatever. And now was just a good play by everybody trying to get the puck. So th- that's where the, the consistency of the rest, something needs to get done. So it's, like, let them play. Let them play hockey. Hockey's hockey. It's a contact sport. Stuff happens. Let's get back to playing
1: hockey. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I thought it was more of a marginal call than Rob did. Th- they made the call. I, I think to your first point, um, you know, I think what we're seeing here, Greg, is, is how sometimes things even out over the course of a season. And there, let's face it, the Oilers have went 4-1-1 on one on that homestand. It was really exciting. They weren't necessarily the better team in the couple of games they won. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they tied it, you know, in the third period a couple times, got into overtime, you know won that dramatic game in overtime against the Panthers. Hey, you know, that's part of sports. You got to make the plays when the game is on the line. And and now we're seeing, you know, when it comes to a key play or a key shot that needs to be converted, uh, you know, they're they're not being made and instead the other team is making. I I don't think this is a disaster that they've lost 3 in a row. I I expected February to be a difficult month. It's going to be frustrating next week when they're not playing for 5 days and teams are going to have the opportunity to make up ground. So, you know, I, 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 they, they definitely need to work on some details. The secondary scoring has been a discussion point all year. I think it will continue to be, um, but, but I'm certainly not in panic mode about about this week.
2: No, and I agree with, with the caller. This easily could have gone the Oilers' way tonight. The Oilers had some fantastic scoring chances tonight, and what we see is all the, all the Oilers' games are close for the most part, and it's which team gets the, the break which team gets the bounce that goes the right way, the bounce that goes off the post and in instead of off the post and out, that goes in across the goal line instead of rolls along across, along the goal line and goes out. So, yeah, it could have gone the others way, but as Reed said, it's, it evens out. There's games that the Oilers have won they shouldn't have, and tonight there could have been a game they could have won, but they didn't.
5: Greg, what's your Super Bowl pick, buddy?
1: Oh, well, anybody but the Patriots, man. <laughs> oh, no. That narrows a <laughs> Thanks, Greg. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Wow. No,
2: thanks. Nobody likes my pats
1: That is great. Calling 780 uh, 496 I did the three stars on our network show, Slavin, Ward, and Stahl. I think pretty easy to give Connor the fourth yes. star tonight. For Missioner Allen Auctioneering, check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Okay, if you're on hold, stay there. We just got to take a quick timeout, and you'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan as well. The Canes edge the Oilers 2-1. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center.
0: Live from the Terry Peranage Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.
1: Dahlberg gave Nordstrom a pass. Back to the point. A shot kicked aside by Cam Talbot, who appeared to have contact in front. Ross Dahlbeck put it behind the net. Wraparound ever Quick shot. A save made by Talbot. Point blank on Nordstrom. Well, Cam Talbot loses in regulation time to Carolina for the first time in his career. He's now, well, loses to them in any fashion, actually. He's 4-1 uh, and one against them now. That was his save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. The final tonight, 2-1 for Carolina. The Canes scoring in the first and the third. The Oilers got their goal in the second period. Three losses in a row now for Edmonton. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thank you very much for joining us. 780-496-0063. We have Tony on the phone line. Good evening, Tony. Hello, how are you guys? Doing quite well.
6: Okay, I've noticed something about the Oilers' power play. When it comes down to it, and I've been noticing this for about, actually quite a while. It's probably been about two or three years now. When they get the puck, they don't decide to shoot it. They decide to get too fancy and decide to do six or seven passes before they even decide to shoot once. I think if they were to try and shoot the puck as soon as they were to win the faceoff, even when they can get an open lane, they'd score more. And my second one is, I find it kind of funny how, I don't know if you guys remember the last game, when Leon Dreisaitl, he went around the back of the net and got held, his stick held, and he was held, the referees were right in front of him and they didn't even call a penalty on that. Uh, I
1: want you guys' to hands-on. Tony, I honestly don't remember that exact play from, from the last game, but Rob can talk about... Were uh, you saying they should shoot quicker on the power play?
6: Yeah, because it seems like they decided to do seven or eight passes, and they can even have an open lane, and they decide, oh, you know what, he's open right there, and then the puck ends up going somewhere else.
2: Well, I, I think most teams in the National Hockey League you could watch their power play and wish that they shoot more. It, it's just common. Um, I think that sometimes... When a player doesn't shoot, you, you think he's got a shot, there's someone in the lane, there's a defender in the lane, there's not someone in front of the net. They're waiting to set up the proper way and then get the shot on net. There are opportunities, I agree, that the Oilers pass up on where they should shoot, but I think the Oilers' power play, since what we've seen at the beginning of the year and as it has gone on, it's it's top 10. I think it's 11th in the NHL right now. So it's not as though their power play is It's It's struggling. They are doing good things on their power play. They lack the big bomb from the back end. So sometimes they look for a little bit more perfect play, a little bit better opportunity to put the puck on net because they don't just fire away. We watched tonight, Carolina. They've got a bomb from the point in Justin Falk and they use him over and over and over again. The others don't have that luxury. Um, yes, the others should shoot more, but I don't think the others' power play is a huge problem. I think their power play has bailed them out and won them a number of games this year.
1: All right, 2-1, Carolina wins it. We'll go back to the phone lines in a second, but right now, standing by, here is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan.
7: Not winning, did you feel like that was maybe the best game by the club after the All-Star
4: break? Yeah, it was. I think we've got better uh, in each of the games. The first one was uh, obviously not very good. Um, second one we competed our tonight was a, a pretty gutsy effort by our group. Um, to go down a D-man real early in the game and then basically go down another one in the third, uh, playing on fumes with, with four guys. Um, just not enough in the gas tank. And at the end of the day, the power plays that uh, that we had, we, we couldn't find a way to put one in the net, and uh, they were able to get one off Claf's foot. So that was the difference in the, in the night. But I thought it was uh, a good game on our behalf. Um, not a lot of complaints other than, than uh, not getting the win. Do you need to guard against the mood? going south is that something you have no. to be against for right? um we're behaving properly after the game nobody's happy that we lost uh but the players are we're not a young young team the players understand when they when they give each other a pretty good effort and they uh they empty the tank and the uh, on the ice surface uh they understand when maybe the brakes don't go your way and the other team gets in the way sometimes so they're they're evaluating themselves pretty good um you know, win is, is all we're playing for next night, and then we'll go from there. But uh, in an 82-game schedule, the top teams uh, go through spells where it doesn't go their way. And, um, you know, we were winning the one-goal games three weeks ago, and now we're uh, we're finding a, a way to be one-goal short, so we'll fix it. Kind of a good thing you're going into Montreal. It's a pretty easy game to get up for. And... Well, I'm not worried about our team getting up for games. Um, they're excited about playing. Obviously, the, the Minnesota one was was one that I questioned, but uh, I thought we were up for the the Nashville game. We are certainly up for this game, and uh, I'm not concerned about that. Um, You know, playing in Montreal, uh, Toronto, some of those eastern Canadian cities, um, it's a reward for players from in and around that area, and uh, we'll be ready to play.
8: The update on on Benning? He ran into
4: a pretty big boy. Yeah, he obviously didn't return, and we'll see how he is in the morning. Well,
1: hopefully Matthew Benning is okay. That's another story. Big collision with Victor Stahlberg with about five and a half minutes left in the first period. Benning, shaken up, got attention on the ice and, and clearly didn't didn't come back to the game. But hopefully there's nothing serious there.
2: Yeah, no, it's one of those when you get blindsided. And he was blindsided. He ran into a brick wall, went down quickly. I, th- I believe the, the shield went into his face and cut his face just to make matters even worse. So you would think it uh, was safety first is why he didn't come back today. And the fact that he didn't come back and they've only got one game before a mandatory break, I would be surprised if he plays on Sunday. I think Griba might be in, but that's just my own opinion and I'm calling that from about 3,000 kilometers right. away from where they are right now.
1: <laughs> uh, we, we've heard Coach McClellan much more angry, exasperated, frustrated after losses. That that might be as calm and, and as and as... I, I don't want to use like a, a totally positive term because they lost, but, but he, he he seemed satisfied with how they played tonight. Well, and it's not it, the result.
2: And the first caller that called tonight when he talked about the fact that this was a game that the Oilers should have won, and he didn't talk about how they dominated offensively, that they didn't give up a whole lot of chances, and that's true. You know, the Oilers, they, their second, third, and fourth lines didn't create a lot. But Carolina didn't get a lot of chances. It's not as though the Oilers, you know, Carolina had you know t- chance after chance after chance. Talbot keeps them in, keeps it close. It was the opposite. Ward Ward was outstanding tonight for the Carolina Hurricanes. The Oilers, if you go through grade A chances, the Oilers had way more than the Carolina Hurricanes. So the Oilers played a, a good road game. And unfortunately, when you play a good road game, sometimes that still results in a one-goal loss. And this is a game that uh, the Oilers... Had a great opportunity going into the third period again. It's a close game. They're very good in one-goal games, and the break that they needed didn't come. And unfortunately, the break came to the Carolina Hurricanes by getting an early power play, getting the lead, and then sitting on it for the final 18 minutes of the per- period.
1: All right, we got my buddy Jared on the line. Hey, Jared,
9: what's on? What's going on, man? Good. How are you guys? I just got a quick comment and a question for Rob. As I was watching, I watched the first two periods of tonight's game and. I think the Weathers' defense score is is greatly improved, but the one thing that I do notice is they're still not a very physical group. And whether it's in the neutral zone or in the defensive zone, Carolina was he had a fairly easy time penetrating in the sense that there was a lot of a lot of the defensemen just turned away from finishing hits. They wouldn't step up in the neutral zone. And then my other question is what uh, my question is is that if. The NHL doesn't want any headshots. Don't you think that that is going to encourage players to skate with their head down a lot more? Like, I, like, in terms of, like, if a guy like Scott
2: Stevens was playing today, would those be considered illegal hits if he's, if he's dropping the shoulder in the guy? Um, I, I think there were a number of hits that Scott Stevens threw throughout his career that may be called differently now than they, then they called back then, back back when, when, in that era, and I played in that era, it was, it was more physical. It was, it was dirtier. It was, uh, the referees were a little more lenient. We only had one referee back then. So if the referee wasn't looking and the players knew when a referee wasn't looking, there was more things that could happen. Uh, as far as for the physicality of the Oilers' defense, um, other than Larson, it was not a big open ice. Hitter he's more of a guy that smushes you in the corners the others aren't a physical brand about in the back end But the league isn't a physical league anymore like it used to be I mean if you well, look it's at a car- lot
1: of angling and running Yeah, out yeah, and I mean like it, it's
2: smarter like Carolina tonight I, how many, I mean, I don't have my glasses on but there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of hits tonight Carolina ha- there's 50 the hits were 15 14 in this game and i think they may have been very generous with giving out the hits it's not the league is not a physical league anymore it just isn't and the other when you look at defense nowadays you're looking at guys that can skate they can move the puck they can angle well they can put have good body positioning sometimes and we saw last game when larson stood up to throw a hit in the defensive zone he missed and it turned into a goal and i believe that was the game-winning goal Johansson. So the second goal, second yeah. Second goals, yeah. So it, the. It's just, that's the way the league is nowadays. You don't see the Scott Stevens-type players anymore, unfortunately. All
1: right, it's 8.50. We have a full board of calls. Everybody is getting on. we got to take a quick timeout. Hurricanes edge the Oilers 2-1. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perenich Team this Broadcast This is Center.
0: Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio,
1: 630 Chan.
0: Rob Brown here as well. Carolina beats Edmonton 2-1
1: tonight. It'll be uh, interesting looking ahead to Sunday's game to see the adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Will the uh, lines get juggled up a little bit? Most of the offensive pressure tonight came from McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Maroon. 780-496-0063. We welcome Derek to the show. Good evening, Derek. Hey, how you doing? Doing well.
10: Yeah,
8: I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm of the opinion that uh, that Eberle and Nugent Hopkins are just way too soft of a player, types of players, to be on the Oilers' new image, if you will. I've never seen so, guys, so many guys so easy to knock off the puck, especially if you have only one line carrying pretty much all your offense all year long. Yeah, I would like to get rid of those guys. Well, Everyone I mean, that, people are going to disagree with me, but
1: well, no, that's—I mean—that's that, the criticism they've—they faced. I think, especially Everly, uh, over the last couple of years, the—you uh, the, know—it's always a risk, right? Because if you have, if Everly's had games this season where he's gotten two, three, four points, and then he'll go seven, eight with a point or nothing, that, that's
8: right? That's my point. It's just like he'll show up for the softies but he can't come to play when things get hard and it's showing like so they play Minnesota he's like he he's not even a 3D image he's like nowhere to be found you know you look at uh, you look at the game in Nashville all they got to do is clog up the neutral the neutral zone he's got no push he can he can't break through a defenseman like i don't know how many times i've watched him bounce off another player in the last well pretty much all year
1: Yep. Well, fair criticism. I, I mean, I, I, Rob and I have talked about this. I personally, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if at the start of the season in October, one of those two players isn't an oiler. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say both because they do have a pretty hefty salary that a team's going to have to be willing to, uh, yeah, and, to take on.
8: And that was on previous management. It's nice to see that we actually have somebody that can competently manage a roster and address needs. And uh, the other problem I have is with the way, like, it's not just this game and it's not just the Oilers. The officiating is horrendous. They'll expand the size of the net to improve, color, or improve scoring, but they won't look at the actual structure of the game and be like, "Oh, huh, there's a lot of hooking and holding. How is that star supposed to get free and excite our fans?
2: Well, I mean, the problem is, like, it's, this, it's, it's is this is the best refs in the world. I mean, yeah. I don't agree with I, all the calls. I, hold, hold on,
1: let me... I seriously disagree. Derek, well, let you, me ask you a question. Rob, let me ask Derek a question. Derek, do you have a problem with the, the rules of the game or the way the rules are enforced? Because there is a difference. The way the
8: rules are enforced. Like, basically, I don't know. I watch a lot of hockey. Pretty much every night, couple hours, game here, game here. And, of course, the Oilers. I don't know how many times I've watched another player pick now, if it doesn't matter if it's the Oilers or the opposing team. A pick is a pick that's interference called a damn penalty.
2: Well, again, I, I mean, refs have good and bad nights. Refs are evaluated. The, the best refs get to go in the playoffs. If you struggle and they don't like the way you have ref throughout the season, you don't get to ref in the playoffs, and that's what everyone's shooting for. I will say again, these are the best in the world. By far. I've played in different leagues, and this is this is the cream of the crop. Now, uh, can they get better? Yes. Uh, do they always call it by the book? No. Um, I don't think tonight reffing had anything to do with this hockey game. I, I don't. I mean, the Oilers had the three power plays. Carolina just only had one. Neither team was physically engaged. I don't think there was a lot of cheap stuff out there. It was... It was I don't want to say a soft game, but it was a quiet game that way. So I, I don't think this had anything to do with reffing. As for your first point between Eberly and Nugent Hopkins, I don't know if there's a lot of choices right now. Both guys are on long-term deals making $6 million a year. What are your options with those players?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we've been saying. They're, they're, they're on the roster. Yes, I, I, absolutely. Think, I think this is pretty much the roster for the rest of the year. If, if, if Shirelli does round out some depth up front. I, I don't think one of those players goes at the deadline. No, not a chance. Ara- around the draft of the summer when it gets crazy, th- then I could see something. <laughs> then anything, almost anything goes.
2: Any, but, well, the problem with that is those were the players that were tried to be moved last year. It wasn't Taylor Hall they wanted to move, but Taylor Hall's the one that was going to bring the big uh, piece back. It's not easy to move a guy with big term and big money. Especially as a fan, you think that player is underachieving. To me, it, it's trying to get the most out of these players because what we've seen as of late isn't what we've seen in the past from these players.
1: All right, the Oilers get just a goal tonight. That means a $25 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast paced world. They give 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season, and you can track the total on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. Woody, Steve, David, and Zane, you are all getting in. Woody, you're going to finish the play. We have a couple of open lines, 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 2-1. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre.
0: Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Centre, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
9: Don't
1: forget to get more on your favorite sports teams by going to the Oilers page on 630shed.com or the Eskimos page on 630shed.com. Of course, the green and gold. Big story from this past week, uh, re-signing Darius Bowman to a contract extension, so that was good stuff. The Oilers lose tonight 2-1 in Carolina, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in. It is 9.06. Quick look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. The Flames win in overtime. Backlund gets the goal 4-3 against the Devils. Panthers edge the Ducks 2-1. Red Wings outscore the Islanders 5-4. And the Penguins hold off the Blue Jackets 4-3 in overtime. The Blue Jackets did rally to force OT there. 13th straight loss for the Oil Kings. They lose 6-3 in Brandon. All right, we have Woody on the line, who's going to be our finish the play contestant tonight. But first, Woody, what's on your mind? Well,
10: oh, just a couple things there. I don't want to get too... I uh, down about the windows. That was a close this season. But, well, I call it the NHL, the no hate league anymore, like you're saying. To me, there's no dislike anymore, like every 15, 20 games less, but that's not really what I call it. Though. The only frustration I have right now with uh, the Oilers is Paul McCullough a little bit. I know he's a good coach, but he, he's so stubborn with his veterans. He, he gets locked in, and he doesn't see the same errors or the same... When a rookie makes it, it's like it's a it's a crime that he did against the team, and immediately they're punished. I watch Matt Hendricks; great veteran, you know, a solid guy. It doesn't bring anything to the team anymore, other than obviously a dressing presence because he's always three seconds late to the play. Other than even heavy, I don't see it why he's on the ice. I, I what, what dislike I have for him, but, I don't well, okay. see why we don't have changes. Well, we what what, what change would
2: what change would you want for for Hendricks?
10: I'd bring in Lander.
2: Land, yeah, Lander Lander's he he I hasn't he's
10: better.
2: No, he's, he's not. Yeah, I, I, I he's not. Lander is not better. That's the pro I mean, yeah. Lander was supposed to be if, if Pitlick's healthy, Pitlick's playing Hendricks isn't. If Jujar yeah, carries is. carries healthy, he's playing Hendrix isn't. Or Packer Rannon's in and Hendricks isn't. I mean there's the reason no, no, that Hendrix isn't gonna
10: say something to you, Rob but yep. if, all these players are playing ahead of them, and you're telling me we still don't have somebody better than a 35-year-old that's been a great veteran for the team. and can't play anymore, and we don't have anybody that we can't put in that we don't think will do the same.
2: No, we don't. That, uh, that we speak, don't. I mean, the, the me player that speaks to our depth. Well, well, the depth. The depth is injured. The depth players that the Oilers have are Kara, Pitlick, Pacorin, and Those are depth players, and they're all injured. They're all mm-hmm. guys that would be They would play on your fourth line. And Pitlick was outstanding. Having a great year, Kerr showed promise. But those that I mean, what, what Reed and I were talking off air tonight. What the Oilers need at the deadline, and we the, the one thing we said is, the Oilers need depth on in the in the forwards because right now your depth player is Anton Lander. If someone goes down, that's all you have to bring up, and that's with Hendricks in the lineup. So the Oilers do need depth up front right now because the depth players that they have are injured and especially a Pitlick isn't coming back this season so the reason Hendricks is playing right now is because Anton Lander is your only other choice and Anton Lander who has been given a number of opportunities and I like Anton but has not been able to put it together at the National Hockey League level yeah
1: I don't think I don't think they're very high on on Lander anymore right? Woody no, well I don't
10: think he's the answer either but I watched tonight and I watched last game and I, I just personally think Hendricks is done. And I watched him on the penalty trail tonight. He was the guy that was supposed to be at the top. He was t- he was 20 feet away from the guy. And he couldn't even move. And I, I know they were out there a long time, but still, I just. It's, no, so I, frustrating. it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, your I, point I is. You're, I mean, we hear your point, And I yep. mean, I, let's face it, I mean, Hendricks, <laughs> the chances of him being an Oiler next year are. Next to none, yeah. I, I would say. Right, and, and so, but no, I mean, fair point. But I, I just think that that Kara might be getting more looks here, Woody, if if he hadn't, if he hadn't been hurt. So, do you want to finish the play?
10: <laughs> All
1: right, let's finish the play, Woody. You can, uh, or you've already. Uh, one actually, an eight-day parking pass to JetSet We Park, brought to you by JetSet Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. And if you're right, you'll be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Here we go. Back to Clef bomb Aho able to bust it up, and now he leads a 2-1-0. Aho centers back to Aho from Jordan Stone. All right. Which oiler got back to break that up? Was it McDavid or Larson? Pardon me. Oh,
10: that was uh... Larson. Say
2: Larson. Say Larson. <laughs> i well, McDavid. No, 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 no. Say Larson. Say Larson.
10: It's a cleft
8: bomb. Aho able to bust it up, and now he leads a 2-1-0. centers back
1: to Aho from Jordan Staal and get back defensively is Adam Larson. Well, Somebody said Adam Larson, so we'll just put Woody's name in the uh, draw. <laughs> I actually thought Larson had a pretty good pretty good game tonight.
2: I uh, agree. I thought Larson was good. And, and no else. I mean, the pass that Clefbaum made to Connor McDavid, springing him on that breakaway, A, having his head up to make it, but B, I mean, that was a rocket right on the stick and kept Connor McDavid in full stride.
1: Alright, we have Steve on the line as well. Steve, thanks for calling.
7: Yeah, Reed, Rob. Cheers. Thanks for taking the call. Um, a couple of nights ago, Reid, you interviewed Kelly Rudy and had a pretty good interview. And Rudy said that um, a three-day break for him was uh, was fairly impactful in terms of his ability to view the puck. And, yep. uh, you know, uh, when, he's, when he's playing good, he doesn't really like to take a three-day break. And my question to you guys tonight is uh, we've seen a dramatic change after a mini three-day weekend almost in the entire team. And it's a bit of a concern to me. And I guess my question is, is it possible for a mini three-day weekend, unless everybody goes out for beer and crevasse, to have such a dramatic shift? I mean, prior to this break, we had three lines working. We were, you know, we were cohesive. We were successful. And now everything seems to be a bit hit and miss. I'll
1: I'll just say before Rob answers, Steve, and, and I'm sure you know this, but just to frame the context for people who didn't hear it, Kelly was mostly talking about a goaltender seeing the puck, and okay. I think I think Talbot has been fine, especially
2: the, the last two games. But I'll let Rob address you. You're, you're talking about the team, though, the players, correct?
7: Well, I am. I mean, I'm. You know, I mean, I realize Kelly's talking as a goaltender, but I, I am really kind of mildly, I'll say, mildly surprised at, at such a huge change for such a small break.
2: From what? I noticed when I played when we we didn't have the, the breaks that they have nowadays cuz they, they got extended ones and NHLPA ones but when we did have a break I noticed that the benefit of the break came later and it wasn't immediate immediate it was it, it, you took a step backwards because your focus was gone when you're playing every second game, you're completely focused. You get to the point where you don't know the days of the week. It's practice day, game day, practice day, game day, day off. You don't know the days of the week. When you get a break, all of a sudden your focus leaves hockey. And your focus is on family, it's on kids, it's on taking a breather, going out for a nice dinner, going out to a movie, all kinds of other things. So when you come back, it's you would think it would be so easy to snap right back into it, but it's not. And it takes sometimes and some teams a little bit longer where you get the benefit is now 10, 15 games down the road that you had that break, that it rejuvenated, your body is better, and that's where it starts to click in. So uh, I said before the break, Reed and I talked about it, this was not a good time for the Oilers to get a break because of the way they were playing. It's hard to maintain that when you're away from the rink for a couple of days because you are so in tune and so focused that getting away, it just seems to fall apart, and it has a little bit for the Oilers.
1: It's a good question. Yeah. And again, I'll go back to what I said earlier, and I don't want to oversimplify it. Th- they were going to lose. They were 7-0-1. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: They scored 7 against Calgary, 4 against Anaheim, 4 against San Jose. They were going to have nights where it didn't... Now, Minnesota, they got beat quite badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nashville, I didn't think was a disaster, but they weren't the better team. This game was more more of a close one where who's going to make the play in the third period? Well, Carolina
2: made it. I think Minnesota, they were going to lose no matter what the way the game went. I mean... The last two games, though, a bounce here or there. The Oilers could have won both games. I think that the, it has been played tight, and the the other two teams got the bounces that the Oilers did. In Minnesota, they were outplayed and, out, and outclassed.
1: Absolutely. We have David on the line. Hey, David, thanks for calling. Hi, how are you guys tonight?
2: We're great.
9: Good. Uh, I think the Oilers are essentially screwed, not just this season, but for the next few years, because I've got these four highest-paid players on the team, uh, Lucic, Eberle, r and and Pouliot, that are non-performing assets. They're non-tradable, and we're stuck with this, and it's going to affect the, the quality of our team for the next four years.
1: Well, Lucic has a no-trade, so he's absolutely non, non-tradable. He'll he'll be here. I, I I still say be patient with him. A lot of guys are better in year two, uh, like Sekra and Talbot, for example. I, I mean, we've talked about Everly and Nugent Hopkins a lot, an earlier caller. Raised it. Those contracts will be tough to move, but I don't think impossible. Right. Um, I I mean, maybe a team's going to want some scoring. You know, maybe there is a team that's going to feel they have too many heavy bodies and not enough snipers and they'll take a chance on Eberly. Well, I, I, I don't I know i'm not saying eberle
9: it's... and hopkins i wouldn't even protect them going into the expansion draft
1: well they'll protect them because i don't think they would risk one of losing one of them for nothing i think you'd want to get something back
9: well what'll happen is you, you can get something back if you have dollars opened up for free agency you get somebody that's actually going to produce
1: well and maybe so maybe they'll lose a trade so they can sign a free agent yeah, I just I
9: still think they're their our biggest problem.
1: Pouliot's tough. Pouliot's tough. He's having a tough year.
2: Uh, and, I mean, and the, you could leave him unprotected. He's not. He won't get won't picked get, up. He won't get claimed.
1: Maybe. Oh. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'd buy him out, but then you still that eats up a bit of your cap too. Exactly. No, you're right. I mean, that those are the challenges for Shrely. No manager's happy with his team. I mean, the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, and then um, Rutherford was two days later, probably worried about cap issues and depth. He
2: was worried with a smile on his face. Worried a little little differently.
1: (laughs) But Shirelli clearly is trying to take the team, uh, in a different direction. Yeah. I think he has improved the club. I think he's put more of his stamp on it. Um, it's just not going to happen as fast as people like after sitting out of the playoffs for 10 years. And I think they will get in this year. They're in a good spot. I know there's more pessimism now after these three games, but, uh, they're still in a pretty good spot.
2: Yeah, and I agree. Those contracts they're a problem. You're absolutely right. The the, the oilers have got when Pouliot, Eberle, and Nugent Hopkins were playing as a line, that's a sixteen million dollar line. Yeah. And it I mean, needs to produce. And I they've got to find a way to get them to play the way they have in the past.
9: They have to. Yes. Otherwise we're we're screwed, like I said, for a number of years. David, good to hear from you. Thank you, guys.
1: All right. Zane and John up next. Oilers lose 2-1 to the Canes. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center.
0: This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Okay, two-one.
1: Carolina wins tonight. So the Oilers have dropped three in a row. Their record on the year is now twenty-eight, eighteen, and eight. They remain third in uh, the Pacific Division. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, thanks for tuning in. We're going to go to Zane on line two. Hello, Zane. Hello.
11: Hi. This is uh, this is pretty awesome. I've been listening to this show for probably my entire life, honestly, and. Uh, no, I delivered pizza to Chris Pratt once, but I don't think he counts. It's the First time I'm talking to celebrities, I think for me. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think Rob and I are in quite that category, but we're really glad to hear from you. What's on <laughs> your mind oh, about thanks. the game,
11: man? Well, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't too concerned that they lost. You know, it seems like even when they lost, lose games, like you guys are saying, you know, that they're in the game, so that was that was awesome. There's something in the game, though, that you know it bothers me. Like from time to time, I see it, and with two players, you know. Everylay Nugent Hopkins, and the first goal of the night, and I've seen it so many times, and I'm sure you've noticed it. Where you got the opposition player, he's in the slot, he's got, the, he gets like the puck via rebound or one timer, and and you get like a weak back check from one of those two players, and then they, after the goal scored, you get them like standing there with a silly look on their face. <laughs> so I noticed it again tonight, and it's just something that bothers me, anyways. Wondering if you
1: have too. Well, yeah. I mean, those we, those two players have been brought up a, a lot tonight, and Nuge was a little late on the check on the first goal. Uh, I mean, really had that embarrassing play against Dallas earlier in in the season. The, the, and the thing the thing is with them, it's like we referenced earlier, it's it's consistency. You're never going to play well ten games out of ten. But can you have eight games that are average or better, and then maybe only two drop-offs? For those guys, it's more like four good and maybe six below average, or five and five, however you want to mm-hmm. put it. Yep. So they'll they'll keep they'll keep finding a way to use them because, like I said, I think for most for the most part, this this is the this is the roster, and they're still tenth overall. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah, other I mean, teams with more problems.
11: I think they are who they are. They're good players, but I mean, we've had too many of one dimension like enough complimentary players for years, and and we gotta you know get more different kinds of players.
1: Well, and that's that's what Shirelli's doing, right? He's added guys with different skill sets, or even some depth guys that can fill in as as needed, right? Like a Letestu, yeah. for example. Zane, good to hear from you. Call any time, okay? All right, great, thanks. All right, last call. Of the night's gonna go to John. John, thanks for bearing with us. We, uh, the floor is yours for about a minute. Go ahead.
7: Hey guys,
8: uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, I just—I think this is great. Uh, I've been an Oilers fan since since the beginning of uh, the franchise. Um, I just think that it's great that we're having these conversations. That we have some depth depth player issues. Um, I just think that that's uh, you know last year, or, or I guess the previous eight years, it seems like we were. Looking for the first line players, now we've got that. Um, so I do think that uh, we're in a position now where Shirelli can add a player or two, um, and uh, you know, to the depth, and until some of these guys, uh, or when some of these guys get back from injury, I think we're, I think we're going to be sitting pretty. And, and I mean, realistically, a year ago, if you'd have told me we were going to be uh, in a playoff race this time of the year, I probably wouldn't have
0: believed you.
2: Well, I think that's the biggest thing right now. we got to look at this as glass, glass half full. I mean, we're talking about playoffs. We're talking about picking up players. We're talking about, uh, you know, all the good things that could happen. With the Edmonton Oilers, and we have not talked about that for a long, long time. For the first time in February, Reed and I are talking about playoffs, and I think that's pretty cool.
1: Well, and and the complaints that we get, and we, I think mean, absolutely fans bring it up for yep. sure, but we don't get a lot of calls about goaltending or defense anymore. No, nope. Which is nice.
2: It, it is very <laughs> which nice. It is nice. No, and it, that's you know, the Oilers are what is it? Trending upward? Is that it? The other, and we don't have to put any of that fake news out there that they're doing down in the United States. We can talk honestly that the Oilers are a playoff hockey team.
1: Hopefully, it's not four losses in a row on uh, on Montreal in Montreal on uh, Sunday, and they can finish some of the chances that they couldn't finish tonight. Carolina wins it 2-1. The game against the Habs is early, Ched time 9:30 face-off show on Sunday. The game will start at 11, and Rob and I will lead you into the Super Bowl after that game. We'll save our picks for that day. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. You've been listening to Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line from the Terry Pranish Team Broadcast Centre. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Great show tonight. Thanks to everybody who took part. Talk to you soon.